Welcome to the Forensic Chiropractor Podcast, the podcast about healthcare relating to courts, with your host, Jeff Clayton, chiropractic physician. Hello, welcome to the Forensic Chiropractor. Forensic chiropractic is chiropractic relating to the courts. This podcast will go over injuries that have the potential to go to court, such as motor vehicle collisions, workers' comp injuries, slip and fall, and malpractice. I'm Jeff Clayton, chiropractic physician in Utah. I graduated from the University of Western States in 2012. I'm an American Board of Independent Medical Examiner, and I have extensive postgraduate training through chiropractic and medical schools. And you can see my CV online at ime-utah.com. I've performed over 500 independent medical exams for both plaintiff and defense. For the podcast, what I like to do is review a uh, research article and kind of give a real-world example. Today's podcast will fit in well with the first podcast, which was all about ligaments. The first podcast talked about the makeup of ligaments, how they get injured, what the inadequate healing process for damaged ligaments is like, and how to manage ligament damage. Today's podcast will discuss alteration of motion segment integrity, or abbreviated AOMSI. The term AOMSI is used frequently in the personal injury world. Today, I want to talk about the origins of AOMSI. Before we get into today's article, I want to explain what AOMSI is for those who do not know. AOMSI is ligament damage. Ligament damage that has altered the integrity of a motion segment or a joint. Sometimes the term ligament laxity has been used in place of AOMSI. But as you will see in today's article, AOMSI is more than a lax ligament. It is typically a torn ligament. Today's article is Biomechanical Analysis of Clinical Stability in the Cervical Spine. This article was written by White et al. and published in the Clinical Orthopedics and Related Research Journal, June of 1975. This article was written by a group of orthopedic surgeons and Panjabi who is a leading expert on biomechanics of the spine. It is important to understand why a group of surgeons wrote this article. In the first paragraph, they give a hint as to why this article was written by saying, what constitutes an unstable spine is not always clear and indications to treat an unstable spine are not well-defined. To me, it is clear that this group of surgeons was looking for clinical indications of when to fuse cervical spines and justification for insurance companies to pay them for these fusions. They set up a study that looked at motion segments of the cervical spine below C2. Motion segments consist of a top vertebrae, the disc, and a bottom vertebrae. These motion segments have loads applied to them that simulate flexion and extension. This experiment used eight fresh cadavers with specimens frozen in a bag to preserve moisture. All testing was done in high humidity chambers using cold stream vaporizers to preserve the natural hydration of bones and ligaments. Care was taken to leave the vertebrae and ligaments unencumbered. Simulating flexion extension loads, these motion segments were pulled apart to assess for failure in horizontal translation and rotation. One thing that surprised the authors of this study, and I'll quote here, failure commonly occurred with sudden complete separation of the upper vertebrae from the lower vertebrae, and it was generally found that the majority of the ligaments had to be transected before failure occurred, unquote. 
This study showed similar results to the article from the first podcast showing that ligaments, when damaged, will undergo micro-tearing and then complete tearing. Today's study showed, and I'll quote again, ligaments would often result in complete instantaneous failure, unquote. They were able to show that this sudden and complete instantaneous failure of the ligaments can be seen with translation or when the top vertebrae moved horizontal to the bottom one by 2.67 millimeters. This sudden, complete, instantaneous failure of ligaments can also be seen with change in angular displacement or when the top vertebrae is pulled so hard the angle increases to 10.7 degrees. For those familiar with AOMSI, this should sound close to the 3.5 millimeter translation or 11 degrees change in angular motion. The authors needed a way to assess this type of damage on living patients and relied on flexion and extension x-rays of the cervical spine. Flexion and extension x-rays are done with a lateral or side view of the cervical spine. When a side view x-ray is taken, the neck is not right up against the x-ray panel since the shoulder would be up against the panel creating a gap. This gap creates a magnification of the spine. This is similar to holding your hand up to a flashlight and creating a large shadow on the wall. This magnification of the cervical spine would make the 2.67 millimeter translation calculation off on x-rays. To adjust for this magnification, the authors calculated that 3.5 millimeter translation on x-rays would be the same as 2.67 millimeter translation seen on the cadaver studies. This is where the 3.5 millimeter translation for AOMSI came from. What is angular displacement? On a side view x-ray, if we draw a line on the bottom of the vertebrae, we can measure angles of the different motion segments. This study showed that once motion segments exceed 10.7 degrees displacement, we have torn the majority of ligaments and have complete and sudden failure. The study used the adjacent motion segment to assess for more than 10.7 degrees change. For simplicity, the study moved from 10.7 degrees change in angular motion to 11 degrees. This is not due to x-ray magnification since this would not change the angles. There are a lot of ligaments in the cervical spine. The two large ones go from the front and the back of the vertebral bodies. The front ligament is called the anterior longitudinal ligament, or ALL. The back one is called the posterior longitudinal ligament, or PLL. When the spine shows instability on an extension x-ray, this study showed that the ALL was the more damaged ligament. This study showed that the PLL is the more damaged ligament when seen on flexion. There are dozens of computer software programs out there to help with AOMSI measurements. I have seen a lot of different programs and they all seem to measure differently. This is a simple process and I believe no program is necessary to do this for providers. The study showed that for horizontal displacement, two discrete points on the inferior posterior end plate are marked. Then perpendicular lines are drawn and the distance between these lines are measured. If it is 3.5 millimeters or greater, then AOMSI is present. Most x-rays nowadays are digital, and measuring millimeters on digital x-rays is very simple. Measuring change in angular motion is equally simple. Starting at C2, lines are drawn on bottom of the vertebral body. Angles are measured between each motion segment and the motion segment above and below. If there is 11 degrees more or less at a single motion segment than the level above and below, then AOMSI is present. This is simple to do on digital x-rays measuring angles.
AOMSI in the American Medical Association's guides to the evaluation of permanent impairment has led to a lot of confusion. The fifth edition first came out in the year 2000. There was an error in printing for the AOMSI section. An errata was published in March 2002 that corrected this error. I feel like the initial error led to many different ways of measuring AOMSI for an impairment rating. The original fifth edition allowed for changes in angular motion from flexion and extension views, but the errata only allows for change in angular motion from the flexion view. The original fifth edition made the mistake of subtracting the flexion angle from the extension angle and coming up with a new measurement. This was corrected in the errata and restored to the guidelines from this study that we have gone over today, where it compares each angle to the level above and below. This is probably one of the biggest things I see software companies doing. The fifth edition originally reported horizontal translation as 3.5 millimeters, as seen in the study we went over today, and has not changed with the errata. Given the fact that the study showed complete and sudden failure of ligaments once the threshold was crossed, the AMA's fifth edition allowed for a 25% whole body impairment rating. The AMA's sixth edition came out in 2008 and was updated July 1st, 2021. The concept for AOMSI have changed with the sixth edition in a few unique ways. Translation is measured the same, but for an impairment rating, AOMSI, instead of 3.5 millimeter translation, we now need 20% translation of the vertebrae. I have no idea why they changed from 3.5 millimeter to 20% translation, but this is similar number to most studies I've seen. The sixth edition measures change in angular motion the same as the fifth edition. Besides, they now require a change of 11 degrees from both the upper and the lower cervical vertebrae. The sixth edition has categorized AOMSI in the motion segment lesion category with disc herniations. To move up beyond a class one impairment rating, the patient needs to have radiculopathy, where we have nerve root compression. Radiculopathy is often seen with disc herniations, but not AOMSI. I disagree with the AMA guides on requiring radiculopathy for a higher impairment rating with AOMSI. Without radiculopathy, an AOMSI diagnosis in the 6th edition will be from 4 to 8% whole body impairment rating. I have seen different software companies do the measurements all different ways, but have yet to see one that does it according to the white study we went over today or the AMA ways. Fortunately, no software is needed to measure angles in millimeters. I have seen a couple software programs that have decided they do not like the all or nothing impairment rating seen with AOMSI and have decided to prorate the impairment rating. On the surface, this sounds like a good idea. Why would 11 degrees be AOMSI with a large impairment rating and 10 degrees be no AOMSI with a small impairment rating for a sprain injury? The feeling of unfairness has led software programs to give prorated impairment ratings. Although this sounds right, we need to remember the study we went over today and the last podcast show ligaments will undergo minor tears or sudden and complete failure. The sudden and complete failure can be shown at 11 degrees change in angular motion and 3.5 millimeters translation. If we are below these levels, we are likely dealing only with minor tears of the ligament. Although all ligament damage can be significant, minor tears versus complete tearing is a dramatic difference.
All right. For the real world example, I wanted to share uh, a patient that I had that was in a drive-through restaurant. A drunk driver came in a large SUV, pulled in really fast behind them and collided with the rear of her vehicle. She was in a lot of pain and flexion extension x-rays were ordered. The motion x-rays showed she had 11.16 degrees change in angular motion for the segment above and 13.1 degrees change in angular motion on the segment below. This shows that she has AOMSI or alteration of motion segment integrity in her cervical spine. This shows that she has AOMSI in her cervical spine. I was able to use today's article, the biomechanical analysis of clinical stability in the cervical spine to help with her final report. With this study, I was able to show that she has AOMSI, which is catastrophic or complete ligament damage at her C3-4 level. This is not a simple strain-sprain injury. As seen in last week's podcast, this type of injury will lead to osteoarthritis, and this would be visible on x-rays. Given the lack of osteoarthritis, it was very clear that this AOMSI was much more likely than not directly related to the motor vehicle collision and was not pre-existing. This complete ligament damage in her cervical spine is very significant. I covered this briefly on the last podcast, but the persistent permanent complications from this type of ligament damage are very significant. This patient will need ongoing management of her injuries. The study we went over today came out in 1975 and was used to clinically justify cervical fusions. Is this the case today? We no longer fuse the cervical spine with just clinical instability. The cervical spinal fusions nowadays are typically done when there is a significant nerve or spinal cord compression. Her spine will deteriorate over time and develop arthritis. Her report showed that over time she may develop nerve or spinal cord compression and then need a surgical consultation directly related to the motor vehicle collision. The neurosurgeon I work with Uh, agreed in his report that she may need cervical fusion 15 to 20 years in the future related to the motor vehicle collision. Well, hopefully you enjoyed learning about AOMSI or the alteration of motion segment integrity and understand how significant this injury is and how simple it is to measure. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening to the Forensic Chiropractor Podcast. Dr. Clayton can be found online at ime-utah.com. Theme song is Three Fishers by the band Aggregate.